Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I hate to say, but I think he oversold it. Um, Listen, would you, right before we jump into the word, would you do me a favor and would you honor your pastor, the gift of God, for your life? You realize that God gives us gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, and that is the people, the men and women who lead us. Would you honor, it's great, I, I appreciate the fact that you honored me, but would you honor your pastors, pastors Brandon and Megan? Come on. They are God's gift to you. And so we love you guys. Uh, he says I'm his best friend. I appreciate that. He's got all kind of friends. And... Uh, and the fact that he would consider me one, I'm, I'm honored. But I will tell you, he is, uh, your pastor is my best friend. There's nobody else in the world that I call as much as I call this man. Primarily because I, just, I just don't like talking to people as much. <laughs> and so, uh, but he, God's given you a great gift in Pastors Brandon and Megan. And, um, and we honor them. I will say too, man, I walked out here, I'm standing here and I happened to look up. And I don't know where he is in the building. But I saw a longtime friend of mine, Marty. Man, Marty, I didn't. I, I looked up and about halfway through the first song, I realized it was you. And I said, holy cow, that's Marty. And so uh, anyway, man, it's good seeing you. Hey, listen, we're going to have a good time this morning. We are uh, now in our third week of uh, cow tipping. And today we're going to tackle a subject that um, is tough for a lot of church folks. And, uh, but we're going to talk about changing traditions. Amen? So, Pastor Mark, thank you so much, man. Uh, man, you go and take a rest, and I'll, I'll call you back up in just a few minutes, all right? <laughs> all right, man. Well, listen, I want you to turn with me uh, to uh, Mark chapter 7, and we'll get there in just a second. Um, but uh, we're talking about traditions today. I, I know that every one of us in the room have different traditions, right? I wrote down some of mine. Like, uh, growing up, we had a summer vacation tradition, right? We went uh, every year. I grew up in Georgetown, South Carolina, right? We, we were, we're the town you smell before you see, right? We grew up, we grew up in Georgetown, and, um, and every year, my family would take a week or two vacation to Cherokee, North Carolina, um, and I, I haven't been to Cherokee in a number of years. I heard that it's, it's kind of uh, become smaller uh, over the years. But we used to go every year, and we stayed at a little place called Irene's Campground. And um, we stayed there, and we'd go over to Maggie Valley to Ghost Town. And every year, man, that was our tradition. Uh, every year when we would go up, we would eat at a little pancake house uh, that as I became older, I thought it was just a local place. And then I, I got older and I feel, realized it was the International House of Pancakes. <laughs> and, uh, and then you, real, you realize the world's not quite as small as you thought it was. And so, uh, man, we would do that every year. And that was our family tradition. And I remember as I got a little older, uh, and it was just me at home. My older two sisters had gone. I would, I would sit between my parents in our uh, Chevy Silverado on that bench seat. And, man, we would, we would just uh, drive. And, and I would be forced to listen to mountain hymns on the dulcimer. Let's go. Let's go. That is torture. Torture. <laughs> right? And then... 
And then I got married, all right? I, I met my wife, and I found out that my wife grew up. Her, her dad was uh, a single father, and, and so every Friday night, they had a tradition. They would have Pepsi. She didn't drink sodas all through the week, but on Friday night, they had Pepsi and pizza and TGIF. Anybody remember TGIF? Yeah, right? That was, that was what they would do every Friday night. That was their tradition. And then when we got married, I realized that some of our traditions didn't mesh. Right? Like uh, birthday traditions. I, in my family, birthday was uh, I woke up, I got dressed, I went through the kitchen, and as I was going through, there was a card laying on the table. I'd pick it up, I'd open it up, I'd pull the $50 out, put the card back, put the $50 in my pocket, and leave. That was birthday. And it was okay. My parents did Christmas huge. But birthdays were just kind of those things. Your card was laying on the table. I got married and I found out that her uh, family didn't do birthdays like that. I found out that it wasn't just a birthday. It was a birthday season. And so the entire month of October, right, was when they celebrated. And on the day of, uh, she became queen for the day. Right? And she got to... Pick everything, breakfast, lunch, dinner. When she was in school, she stayed home from school that day. She did what she wanted to that day. There were gifts. And I realized very quickly, uh, my tradition would bow its knee. (laughs) Right? And so, these are all traditions. I'm sure you all have traditions too. Like Christmas traditions, holiday meals, right? How many of you for Christmas, uh, you do turkey? Can I see your hand? Wave at me. For Christmas? No? All right. How about ham? Anybody do ham? A lot of people do ham. My family, we barbecued a hog and cooked French fries. Right? We, we were very refined. <laughs> we were from Georgetown, though. So, <laughs> Right? And so everybody has their traditions. But here's the thing. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus talked about traditions. I'm going to read it for you. You can follow along on the screen. It says this. In verse, uh, starting at verse 1, it says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. Now, uh, a few years ago, uh, your pastor and I went to Israel together. And as we're traveling around Israel, I, every time we would uh, stop off at a restroom, I would notice these little pitchers on the back of, uh, of, of, of the sinks as you would go to wash your hands as you were leaving the restroom. And, and I really didn't think anything about it. It was the same style of pitcher on the back of all of these uh, sinks. I didn't think anything about it until we got to the wailing wall. And right outside of the wailing wall, there's this uh, round sink. And it has uh, spouts all the way around it. And, and, and there's water, you know, it's water's just running. And there are all these little pitchers. And finally, I looked at our, our guide and I said, Why? Do they have, I mean, you got the spout, you, you know, my Americanized thinking, you can just stick your hand under the spout, you know what I'm saying, and just wash your hands. And they said, well, in the Jewish tradition, uh, you have to wash your hands a certain way. 
It's not just that you get to wash your hands. You have to do it a certain way. And I've found out since then, they have different ways of washing your hands depending on what you're doing. Like if you're going to eat bread, you have to fill the pitcher up and you have to pour water twice, switch hands, pour water twice, put the pitcher down, and then wash your hands. If you do it any other way, you're defiled. And you shouldn't be eating. Now, here's the thing. Is that tradition is okay as long as it's just a tradition. But in their view, they've taken this man-made rule. And they've put it on the same footing as Scripture. So they say, not just that you can be defiled. Not just that you need to wash your hands. But they look and say... Uh, we're going to go a step further and you've got to wash your hands a certain way. You've got to wash your hands a special way. And if you don't, then you are out of relationship with God. So it goes on to say this. It says, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples... Live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands. I love Jesus because he has such a pastoral way of responding. He says, he replied, Isaiah was right about you. When he pro- Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites. Now, if Pastor Brandon stepped up here every Sunday and said, Isaiah was right about you, hypocrites. Eventually, you'd probably stop coming to church, right? (laughs) And so I love it when Jesus says this, right? He says, as it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Uh, Go all the way down. You can skip all the way down to verse 13. And this is what he says. He says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition." We all have traditions. But the fact is, is when our traditions take place or become elevated to the point that they hold equal footing with the Bible. We've gotten our perspective out of whack. And the Bible, Jesus said, you can nullify the King James Version or the New King James says... You can make of no effect the Word of God by your tradition. So as I started thinking about that, thinking about what God wanted to do in us as a church, here at Radiate and uh, in Oklahoma at Harvest, what God wanted to do in us as a church and in the world through us as a church and how our traditions, especially those religious traditions, affect that. There were three things I wanted you to know. Number one. Tradition can cause us to miss what God wants to do in us. Over in Matthew chapter 9, um, uh, John's disciples show up and they're, they're, they're really um, grilling uh, Jesus. Uh, in verse 14, he says, uh, they say this, they say, How can... How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? 
So Jesus goes through and he answers them and he gives them this, this answer. Go ahead and, um, for those of you in the back, you can skip down to verse 17 for the sake of time. It says this, he says, but neither do people put new wine. Everybody say new wine. Neither do people put new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins um, will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. So here's the thing. Not all traditions are bad. But what we have to understand is the difference between wine and wine skins. Wine represents the eternal. It's the God thing that God that He wants to do in you. If you listen to a lot of uh, uh, you know religious type stuff or or spiritual type type stuff, uh, wine is symbolic or represents many times uh, a move of God, right? We call it new wine when God starts to move in a fresh way. We'll go, man, there is new wine being poured out at that place, right? And and that's kind of a religious way of going. God is moving. The problem is, is God will want to move in a new way and we try to package it in an old skin. Right? So traditions aren't bad. It's when our tradition takes precedent over what God wants to do. Let me, let me give you a, a couple of examples. Right? Let's say... Fasting. That's what they're talking about in this scripture, right? Fasting. Okay? So how many of you realize fasting is wine? It's eternal. It's a principle that God's laid out that every believer should practice. Okay? Fasting. Now here's the thing. So how do you do it? Well, you've got the Daniel fast. Right? Daniel fast, you've got the total fast. You've got a 40-day, a 21-day. One we should all probably do, social media. Right? What are those things? Wine skins. Right? Now, if you come in and go, well, God's called me to a 21 day, and someone else were to come in and go, yeah, but I really feel like he's called me to a social media fast, and you look at them and go, well, you, you, you could do that, but if you want to really fast, your tradition is getting ready to nullify what God wants to... That's really good. Come on. Right? That's really good. Let's, let's, let's... Worship. Can I step on toes? Right? Not here at Radiate, but, uh, but somewhere else and someone else watching online. Right? Worship. Worship is wine. It's the eternal thing. It's the, it's the principle that God wants all of us to practice. Yeah. Now, there is 
liturgical. There is classical. There is traditional. There is, and I'm not going to spell this all the way out for the sake of embarrassing myself, contemporary. Right? Right? And so if you come in and go, well, you know what? This, this contemporary stuff with, that, with those god-awful drums and those electric guitars, that, that ain't a god. You need to go back and you need to do some hymns and some southern gospel. Then all of a sudden, you're going to find somebody from the classical tradition looking at you going, what is that nasty country? Right? And then your liturgical folks are standing over to the side going, well, if you're not doing responsive readings, you're not. All of these, what are they? Wine skins. And here's the thing that I want us all to understand is that tradition can cause us to miss what God wants to do in us. If we get so wrapped up in the skin, we might just miss the wine. Which leads me to the next one. Right? Tradition can cause others to miss what God wants to do in them. When I become so married to the way God moved in me that I just can't fathom that He might move in you in another way. Go with me to Mark chapter 6. Jesus is now coming back to His hometown, right? Verses 1 through 5. He comes back to his hometown and he's getting ready to run a revival. He's come back in as the guest preacher, man. He is like, he is on fire. Man, things are blowing up. He is, uh, he's got a television show. He's on all the podcasts, right? They're, they're, they're interviewing him on the latest Christian television networks. I mean, he is like, he is, he is the next thing. He is, everybody's looking at him, right? And, 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 and he shows up and, and it says when the Sabbath came uh, in verse 2, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many who heard him were amazed. They were like, man, this guy, he's got some wisdom. And they go, where did he get it, right? What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable things? And then all of a sudden the conversation changes. They go, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't that the guy that I changed his diapers in the nursery at church on Sunday? And every time I changed his diaper, he urinated everywhere and we had to clean that man. I know him. I know. I know what his dirty diaper smelled like. I, I know when we tried to keep him contained in the nursery and he took off running and escaped all of us and then we lost the child and... Right? I I know. And watch what happens. Jesus looks and he goes, A prophet's not without honor, except in his own hometown. Among his relatives in his home. In the very last verse, it says he could do 
not do any miracles there. Except he laid his hands on a few people and healed them. Which leads me to my very last point. Tradition can not only stop what God wants to do in you, and it, it can not only hinder what God wants to do in others, but when a church becomes so entrenched in tradition, tradition can stop what God wants to do in a city. I read a, a, a quote sometime back, maybe a year or so ago, by a, a, an American um, theologian. His name was Yuroslav Pelikan. And I'm guessing that's how you pronounce his name. I did the whole YouTube thing where you pronounce right, and that's how they did it, so I'm going to go with it. Right? And Yaroslav Pelikan said this. He said, Tradition is the living faith of the dead. But traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. When we become married to the way God ministered to us, we just might be blocking how God wants to minister to others. One of my mentors said this years ago, and man, it stuck with me. He said, the harshest critic of any incoming move of God is the outgoing one. And I found that to be quite the case. I, I've really committed my life to, to champion, 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 championing the next generation. Words are hard. <laughs> right? <laughs> the next generation. And I have, I, I've committed. My wife and I have actually um, made an agreement with one another that when we become those people, that walk in and go, this music. Why is it so dark in this room? <laughs> we have full authority to call the other out. Because we never want our traditions, as much as our traditions mean to us, to blog. What God wants to do in others. And one of the best ways I saw this illustrated was in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah is, um, is, is, is standing before God and, and, and God looks at him and tells him in verse um, 11. He says this, he says, Now the Lord said, he's talking to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. He said, there's about to be a move of God, Elijah. And I don't want you to miss it. He says, then a great and powerful wind. Everybody shout wind. wind. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle whisper. Now here's the thing. Historically, 
The first three ways were ways God had moved in the earth before. And so Elijah's standing out on the mountain and God speaks to him. He says, go stand out on that mountain because I'm about to move. And then all of a sudden, now, all of a sudden this way that God had moved in the past begins to just erupt. And Elijah had to have enough wherewithal to look at it and go, though God moved in that way in a previous generation, the Lord's not in the wind. And then an earthquake. And I can imagine Elijah going, Now I know this has got to be it because I've seen God move in earthquakes before. When His presence shows up, the world begins to quake under its power. But he had to have enough discernment to stand there and go, Though God's moved in the earthquake before, He's not in the earthquake. Than a fire. Do you realize there is a scripture that actually says that our God is a consuming fire. So surely if there's a fire, God is in it. But he had to have enough spiritual wherewithal to look and go. Though he's moved in that way in the past. God's not in the fire. And then all of a sudden, this way God had not done it previously shows up. And Elijah goes, I recognize his voice. Here's the thing. Is you may be in this room this morning and you're going, man, I wasn't raised in a church like this. I haven't really seen it quite like this before. But in the midst of all of this, I sense God tugging at my heart. Listen, I'm going to ask for every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're in this room today and you're going, man, Pastor Chuck, I am here But after all that you've said, I can't say that I'm actually following Jesus. I haven't surrendered my life to Him. I'm not serving Him. Listen, would you do me the greatest honor in the world and allow me to pray for you this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you. Here's what's going to happen. is In just a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If, if you're in here and you go, Pastor, I'm not serving the Lord, but I want to this morning. I want to surrender my life. I'm just going to simply ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. And when you do, you're going to feel a clipboard slip into your hand. And we're just going to ask you to fill that out and uh, turn that in, I think, at the connection uh, tent. Am I right? Am I correct? They're giving me a thumbs up. Good. And so um, when you do that, the reason that, that Radiate does it this way is they want to connect with you. They just don't want you to pray a prayer and to leave you out hanging. Man, they want to do life with you. And so here's what we're going to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you go, Pastor, I'm not serving Jesus. I, I'm not following Jesus, but I want to this morning. I'm going to count to three. If you would, just lift your hand up. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to do anything crazy. We just want to connect with you. So if that's you, Pastor, I want to I give my life to Jesus this morning. 
on the count of three. One, two, three. Is there anybody in the building? I'm not going to draw it out. And maybe you're in here this morning and you go, Pastor, I realize that some of my traditions have really um, been, been, been overtaking my life. And, and I really have elevated some of them to a level that they, they're not. Would you just allow me to pray over you this morning? Because I believe that for many of us this morning, I know including myself, I have to keep looking and I have to keep tipping those cows over. I keep having to knock those idols over. And so we're going to ask God to help us to deal with our traditions this morning. So will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for every person in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that as, as we are confronting the idols in our lives, Father, I pray that you would help us to be like Elijah and to be able to look and see where God is moving in our lives. Help us to not look at our traditions and hold them to an unhealthy level. But help us to always be willing to search for where God is and what God's doing. In Jesus' name.